Oregon offensive coordinator Will Stein has been on the job for two weeks, so how should we grade him right now? Let's answer that question, shall we? Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. So if you have not already, like, comment, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked on College for $20 off your first purchase. Will Stein, offense, defense, and then some Big Ten mailbag stuff coming up on today's show. But let's start with Will Stein, who comes over in the offseason after Kenny Dillingham goes down to Arizona State to be the head coach at his alma mater. Will Stein comes over from UTSA. We had an inclination. You know, we got tidbits and quotes and ideas and thoughts here and there about, okay, what's the offense going to look like? I'd say, based on what Will Stein said and based on what we've seen so far, there are a lot of similarities to last year, but there are certainly his own wrinkles that that he's put into it. There are his own elements that he's put into it. So I came up with, with five areas to grade him as an offensive coordinator that I think he directly influences and is either doing exceptionally well, that would be an A+, plus, or not doing very well. That would be uh, an F is the lowest grade that I'll hand out here. Now, I am somebody who, I believe this for college, high school, middle school, wherever, I do not give out A's like candy. If I give you anything that is a B- minus or above, I consider that above average. Nick Saban is an A-plus college football coach all time. Everybody else does not get to just suddenly get an A-plus because they've been so good for their program. Standards and expectations here. So passing game, running game, situational play calling, adjustments, and red zone. If you think I've missed a category to assess an offensive coordinator's capability, by all means, let me know. But those are the most distinct ones that I came up with. So let's go with the passing game. And I'm mostly looking at the Texas Tech game here because The Portland State game, yeah, we set a bunch of records. That was great and fun, but ultimately, we could have won that game with you or me calling plays for the most part because we could have run it most of the time. Okay, not actually. Well, yeah, probably, actually, because they only scored seven points. Like, Could we have put up 10 points calling plays on there? Maybe not knowing the verbiage, but saying like, hey, I want to run an RPO, or hey, I want to call a deep shot to Troy Franklin, something like that. We probably could have beaten Portland State. So the passing game gets an A. It was not perfect all game long. That's why it's not an A+. But Bo Nix's final line here to, I I believe, was nine different receivers. Tight ends, running backs, receivers. They were all involved. 32 of 44 for 359 yards and two touchdowns on the road against a Power 5 team. It really doesn't get much better than that. When Oregon got down, they were able to come back on the strength of the passing game offensively. So Bo Nix and Will Stein... I think overall off to a good start. The third quarter, definitely something that caught my eye in a negative way where it was like, hey, we just went into halftime. I know the other side's making adjustments too, but why why exactly did we go scoreless in the third quarter? That's not exactly what you'd like to see, but more on that later. Running game, this is below average for me. Not a complete and utter disaster. Uh, Something needs to be a disaster. It's just a coincidence. I use that word for it to be a D plus or a D or a D minus or or, or something of that nature. 
but I go C minus here on, on the running game because 3.6 yards a carry, and, and this is where Alik Terry comes into play as well, and the actual players on the offensive line. But Will Stein is also the guy scheming everything and getting everybody into the right plays and all that sort of stuff. So uh, I go C minus here. That that was a below average effort for Oregon. Again, not a disaster. You know, disaster would be like under three yards a carry and not even a hundred yards or not even ninety yards on the ground, right? Like forty carries for ninety yards. That'd be pretty disastrous. That that'd be a D. So um, 113 yards on 3.6 yards a carry. I go C minus. I, I was wondering. And, and and others were pointing this out on the uh, Twitter sphere or X sphere. What a, it's Twitter, don't care. So I wondered if there shouldn't have been a little bit more RPO, like they showed early in the game, because the straight runs were not working. And this is where the adjustments. I again give a C minus. I I honestly considered a D plus. I I considered a D plus. I could see that. But I do think, even though Oregon only had one touchdown in the second half, you have to also factor in the fourth quarter when Oregon was able to move the football, when they were able to score in in certain situations. And, you know, they went 20-3 to in, in the fourth quarter, and there was one defensive touchdown in there. That's still three scoring drives in a quarter. So that counts as well. But again, below average in my view, because it looked like the straight runs were going against a loaded box and there was no adjustment to try and spread out the red Raiders or take a shot to, you know, soften the box a little bit or get the safeties out of there. It was not working. We continued trying it and outside of Bo Nix, we're not able to find a whole heck of a lot of success. So I thought those were definitely the weakest areas for, for, for the ducks on, on Saturday against Texas tech. So uh, run game and adjustments, I say just below average uh, at C minus. Those are the, are, are the areas where I'd like to see Will Stein and the offense improve the most. Now, situational play calling. I'm going with an A- minus here, and I do not say that lightly. As I said, I'm not handing out A's. I'm not somebody on Halloween with candy. Here you go. You get a lollipop. You get a Kit Kat. You get Skittles. And you get... No, we're not, we're not giving things out like that. Situational play calling is an A- minus because through two weeks, and this is where I went back to Portland State as well, they were 15 of 28 the Ducks were on third and fourth down. That's pretty darn good. Remember, last year the Ducks were like 46 or 52%, somewhere in that range, defensively on third down, and that was near the bottom of every FBS program in the country. It was like 117th. It was somewhere terrible. If you're telling me that Oregon is going to continue to be better than 50% on third and fourth down combined, and by the way, Two of those plays, I don't necessarily put on Stein. You can go and say, ah, oh, they should have had an RPO component. They should have thrown the ball, perhaps. At the end of the day, the offensive line has to be able to get you a yard. And on third and one, they failed. And on fourth and one, they failed again. They were not terrible all game, but they were terrible in that sequence. So that's factoring in two of your stops. I don't put that entirely on Will Stein. Like at some point, an offensive lineman's got to open up a hole, has got to, you know, win in the trenches, or you're not going to be able, there's nothing an OC can do uh, in, in the run game there. You can certainly say, hey, maybe we should have gone to the air. Fine. That's that's totally fine. But an OC on with three chances to get a yard should be able to call a run on three plays and you should be able to pick it up. So I, I put that mostly on on the offensive line in that sequence who were really really good in pass blocking who were not good in run blocking on a Saturday night red zone now this was probably the area that I most 
wanted to see Will Stein succeed in compared to Kenny Dillingham last year. You think about uh, the Stanford game, the Washington State game. There were some stretches where the red zone was really costly for the Ducks. Remember last year in Pullman? Oregon State, or Oregon State, I don't even know why I said that. Well, because Washington State was in there. That's where my words got crossed. Anyway, so Oregon went up and had nine points at the half, I believe, and they had four red zone trips result in three turnovers or three field goals and a pick six. And that was partially on Kenny Dillingham. The offensive line also, again, was not very good in those moments, but I didn't think Dillingham, he kept going back to the same concept, the halfback wheel. It barely worked on a fourth down, so we ran it again on the next play. I did not care for that. Bo didn't see the linebacker. That's on him as well. But I thought that could have been better. And then you look at you know the Oregon State game. You have four chances to get it in from inside the 10-yard line or the five or whatever it was. Didn't throw it until fourth and goal. Dan Lanning later said, yeah, we probably got predictable throwing in all those instances. So I look at games like that or the Washington game as well. If we score a touchdown there, at the end of the game, it's not a one possession game and the game is over. And that, you know, touchdown we gave up doesn't end up meaning anything. So that's what I thought that was Kenny Dillingham's biggest weakness last year. I think Will Stein to this point has it gets gets a B plus for being in the red zone. I think he's been good. The Ducks are 12 of 13 overall. The one uh the one miss being, I believe, the 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 second, third, and fourth down. Uh, and one stop against Texas Tech was in the red zone. Um, so 12 or 13 overall, nine touchdowns on 13 trips. That's just under 70%. There are some execution things and O-line things to clean up, but I think overall he has done a good job in in that respect in the red zone, and that makes me encouraged for what, what we could see from uh, the team going forward offensively. Where does that leave the overall grade? Well, I mean... <laughs> I could, I could, I could tell you, you know, I, I could tell you, I could, I will, I will tell you. I'm not going to just tease you like that. I'm not that mean. The people at game time are definitely not mean because they're making things easy for you because they're the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. There are plenty of other things in life to get stressed out about. So forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, concerts, comedy. Again, anything and everything you want, Game Time has got it. You can also get images of your seats so you know exactly where you'll be sitting, what the view will look like, and how everything will uh, be received for you as an audience member or fan in attendance. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code locked on college for $20 off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed the second segment sip also guaranteed to keep me refreshed and refurbished going through the show so overall grade for will stein again to recap here passing game a run game c minus adjustments c minus situational play calling a minus red zone b plus Overall grade, I give it a B. And that's not a, oh, you only think it's just a B. No, that's, I think he's been good so far. There is clear room to grow. Those two elements, the adjustments, only one touchdown in the second half against Texas Tech. Felt like we could have had more than that. Not being able to run the football well. We can definitely do better. 
And will we learn a lot this week against Hawaii? No, we'll learn more the following week against Colorado. What a crazy, crazy sentence to be able to say. I mean, I suppose Colorado was technically better than Hawaii. I don't know about that. Um, Colorado was really, really bad last year, and they have been for a while, but so is Hawaii. And Oregon's a 37.5-point favorite. Oregon can look ahead to Colorado all they'd like to this week, and, and they'd still probably end up winning the football game. Not advocating for that, just saying that, this is not a, you know, look ahead and then stumble against Hawaii. Nah, they're going to be just fine. I'm pretty confident in saying that. So my overall grade for Will Stein is a B. Not a B minus, not a B plus, just a B. I think he's been good so far. I think he can definitely improve. But overall, I don't feel that he is a liability as our offensive coordinator. As long as the the two areas that I gave him a below average grade for the first couple of weeks, mostly against Texas Tech, are are improved upon and you don't need to you know get the run game up to a a, a b plus and the adjustments up to an a or anything like that like that just needs to get bumped up into the b minus b category in both of those and if you got a's and b's all down the report card guess what that's that's making the honor roll there so b for will stein let me know what you think in the comments section or hit me up on twitter at smalls underscore 55 or at locked on ducks dms and mentions wide open that's how you can get in the mailbag But if you want a priority mailbag, if you want to be able to talk with me one-on-one in a more readily reliable and available way, you can join the subtext as well. Link in the description below, whether you're listening to the show on podcast or watching on YouTube, free 14-day trial. That is $5 a month afterwards. That's it. Not a requirement. You can continue to consume this show as you do right now, as you are in this very moment. But if you'd like to be able to talk with me more, get priority mailbag questions. That is how you do it. So let's move on. Speaking of the mailbag, this from B5033, because I assume B503 was taken? Probably. Question, moving forward, are you more concerned with the defense or the offense after the way they played in Lubbock? If you told me the defense got four turnovers and four sacks, along with keeping Texas Tech to 13 points at half, I would have assumed we would be up two scores at half at least. What's your take on that? Thanks, Spencer. So, My biggest concern is the penalties, which are primarily, though not exclusively, on the defense. I'd say 70% of the penalty concerns that I have are defensively driven, and 30% are on the offense. So in that sense, I would say the defense. However, that, that is not to say there aren't elements of the defense that I really, really liked on Saturday. About the defensive line, four sacks, a number of other... Would have been five sacks, by the way, if Texas Tech hadn't committed a penalty. Uh, Mateo had his first career sack nullified by the penalty that we accepted, uh, which is what we should have done because it was more punitive to have him take the holding penalty. But you talk about punitive penalties. How about Kyrie Jackson with uh, the pass interference? Or Mace Funa had one in uh, the second half. Tysheem Johnson had one as well. Like You just keep going down the list. Brandon Doyle's hit Tyler Shuck a little late. I thought that was ticky-tack, but you just can't give op- officials opportunities to make calls like that. Like You can't expect refs to be good. They're, the job is clearly too hard, and they are clearly not good enough at every single level. You cannot give officials a chance to influence the game or to influence a play. You have to minimize those opportunities. And look, penalties are always going to happen at some level, but it's the ones that that don't have to happen. You got to be able to clean up. And, and Dan Lanning knows that going forward. So I'll say the defense because I was talking in the YouTube comments with a couple of you uh, about this and it was about the the pass interference from from Kyrie Jackson and really how pivotal that was in the game. 
So it was third and 18. Texas Tech was in was at like their own 17-yard line. Kyrie Jackson commits the pass interference. If he doesn't do that, if he makes a play on the ball, swats it away, intercepts it, whatever. If that outcome doesn't happen, that was basically the only outcome because he wasn't beat on the play. He just had a brain freeze from all we can tell. If if he doesn't do that, Oregon gets the ball back up 15 to 7, having scored a touchdown on each of their previous two drives. We punted to start after moving the ball a bit, then they scored, then we had the big play to Troy Franklin, and then we went right down the field and scored again on the Tez Johnson touchdown. Uh, boy, did he look good on, on Saturday night. I'm not so sure, given the momentum and the field position we would have had, if we get off the field there, we don't go down and score again. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really not sure that doesn't happen, which is a, a weird way of saying I'm pretty confident that would have happened. And that gives the game a completely different feel. And Texas Tech, I know they lost to Wyoming. It's still a pretty solid football team with a capable quarterback and a capable head coach. Not the best Oregon's going to play this year, but capable for sure. And when you give capable Power 5 opponents an opportunity to capitalize on a mistake like that, more often than than not, they're going to. And it's why Oregon has to clean this stuff up going forward because when we play Washington, or heck, now and even when we play Colorado, they're going to make us pay even more. And I think that Texas Tech is a good team, but of Oregon's five toughest games that I thought would define their 2023 season, I thought Texas Tech was probably the fourth or fifth hardest, depending on you know how good Oregon State is. They look really good so far. Haven't played uh, anybody yet of you know major competition, but I, I think that the. The, the Beavs and Texas Tech, that's kind of a, a back and forth for, you know, which is the tougher game, which is the fourth toughest, which is the fifth toughest. And in that vein, I look at the three hardest games, which I think are at Utah, um, probably USC at home, and then at Washington. If you play that way or make those sorts of mistakes, that can be what ends up defining the game because they're going to be go either way, coin flip, uh, toss up games. Like that's that's just how they are. So I, I think that uh, if Oregon had been able to get off the field there, which they should have, and gotten the ball back and then gone down and at least gotten a field goal. Like if you just go get a field goal and you're up 18 to 7 rather than what ended up happening, which is Texas Tech goes down the field, scores a touchdown, misses the two-point conversion, 15 to 13, 18 to 7. Different vibe, different tone, different tenor in the football game. The crowd would be deflated. The offense would have been feeling really, really good. So... I, I just think that that was a really, really huge moment in the game that kept the Red Raiders in it, and we need to clean up those mistakes going forward. But you know, still, the fact that we won the game playing as poorly as, as Oregon did in many facets, did a lot of things well, but did a lot of things poorly, as we've talked about, is an encouraging sign. So back to your question, B5033, um, I'll, I'll say the defense, because that was just such a confusing moment and I'm not really sure what Kyrie Jackson was thinking. Like, was he trying to perfectly time up a hit by the time the ball got there? Like, it was in the air for so long. It was such a long throw. Just go up and swat it. Just go up and swat it. Make a play on the football. Be an athlete out there. Uh, instead, he just went full truck stick on the wide receiver, and it was a pretty easy pass interference call. So uh, I'll, I'll say the defense because there were just so many instances that – you know, looked really good. I mean, four turnovers, my goodness, that's on the road. That's exceptional. 
I mean, that's not a sustainable pace, of course, but the fact that they generated enough pressure uh, to get the final pick six, that they put themselves in position to make plays on the interceptions and Jamal Hill and the fumble recovery, that's all really encouraging stuff because we didn't see that consistently a year ago, especially on the road, but we saw it on Saturday, meaning we know that they're capable of doing it. Um, but overall, I feel better about uh, about the offense and the defense, which is how I felt coming into the year. Both have things to uh, clean up. Great question, though. Uh, we haven't talked about the Big Ten in a while because Oregon's still playing their final season in uh, what is known as the Pac-12, which is uh, just got sued and lost to Oregon State and Washington State, as they should have, uh, by the way. But an interesting question about scheduling because this game against Texas Tech came about uh, quite a long time ago and scheduling in college football is broken. How might it look next year? Well, that's an interesting question. I have a more interesting one. Why haven't you checked out FanDuel yet? Get ready for the NFL season, which is underway, with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel, the app super easy to use with a great interface. You can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. I debated a third segment sip, but we're good. That is the power of a second segment sip. It can propel you to places you never thought you could go to boldly go where no man has gone before, to infinity and beyond. All that was missing from that weird escapade for me was a Star Wars quote. Uh, Could have come up with one, but um, anyway, uh, another question here from Nick. Nick, again, YouTube comments or on Twitter, or if you want priority mailbag, go check out Subtext, free 14-day trial, then $5 a month afterwards. You can also communicate with me one-on-one in a much more timely and reliable manner than on uh, on Twitter and, and YouTube, which I will still respond to. If you consume the show in that way right now, you don't have to change anything. I appreciate you no matter what. This is from Nick. We all talk about scheduling every year. This is, of course, a preseason question that I'm you know, trying to get to. Uh, specifically in the pack regarding giving horrible schedules for top teams. It's certainly true this year. I'm thinking the Big Ten is going to try and stick it to the pack teams joining the conference the first year. Do you have an opinion on that? I have an opinion on everything. Just was rereading my comment. I meant to say stick it to the new pack teams. Uh, as in any tough games, the pack teams will be scheduled to travel, not the other way. Um I, I don't know what the incentive would be for the Big Ten to make their new members feel unwelcome or like they're getting jogged. I, I would actually lean towards the opposite, um, though I don't suspect that the Big Ten is going to give a bunch of favorable schedules to some teams and disfavorable schedules to others based on their membership in the conference. Like Their priority is to set up television matchups that are going to draw the biggest ratings. That's what their priority is going to be. That's why they've added all these schools. That's what they're going to be thinking about when they make the schedules. I I wouldn't worry too much about, you know, whatever Oregon does or has done in the past, um, whether or not they, you know, are treating the big 10, right. Or ticking them off or anything like that. I, I really wouldn't. A conference is existing to keep schools unified and as we know now to make money and they do that through television and they're not going to schedule matchups that don't make sense for television that like they have entire teams of people to work on this stuff because they're so valuable financially 
I wouldn't worry about that at all. Like no one, I don't know why the Big Ten would would want to add Oregon and Washington as they did and USC and UCLA and then say, all right, let's screw the new guys. Like this isn't, you know, freshman hazing in a fraternity. Um, I, I don't expect that any uh, in, in any way really. So uh, the travel will be adventurous. <laughs> it will be... It will be adventurous. Any Midwest Duck fans out there uh, or in Big Ten country, uh, shoot me a message or drop one, uh, drop a note in the YouTube comments and let me know if you're going to be going to games uh, when, when we do join the Big Ten next year. Uh, a couple fun questions to wrap up today's show. Always good to keep things in a, uh, in a light mood. Uh, this is from Oregon XYZ. Who's your favorite guitarist? Don't have one. Um, I, I can't say that there's an artist I enjoy who's specifically known for his work on the guitar i'll say my favorite artists top three all time uh 1a is billy joel 1b is elton john and then uh third on that list would be uh the king himself elvis presley so um they all played guitar like does neil diamond count as a guitarist i like i I guess he played a little but i i don't um, I guess I'm more into into the pianists, uh, Billy Joel and Elton John, two of the best to ever do it on on an instrument. That fun fact, I played until I was 10 years old. I was apparently pretty good. Eh, I don't know, um, but it was just something that I didn't uh, didn't enjoy anymore. So maybe that's why I, I, I prefer the um, piano oriented musicians. Is that I played that instrument growing up, so it's just something that I'm used to and uh, comfortable with. But I only played it until I was ten. So hey, I don't know. Uh, last one here from uh, Aaron Turn five nine five four. Aaron Turn, Aaron Turn. I don't know. Hey Spence, every day are here. If you were to take a coordinator job, which side of the ball would you take? In which scheme would you run? Go Ducks. Definitely, definitely an offensive coordinator. So. Uh, the reason I would say that now I'm going to preface this by saying in no way, shape or form, am I implying that I am qualified to be a coordinator, but the football X's, X's and O's that I learned growing up came from two places. Number one, playing NCAA college football, the video game. That was a big one. And number two, watching the Chip Kelly offenses. I used to, this is true. When I was a kid, um, I used to go back and watch the recorded uh, Oregon football games or on YouTube, watch highlights and stuff. And I would study that Chip Kelly offense. And then when I play pickup football with my friends, I would then bring any plays or concepts or ideas that I could to those little games, even if they were just like two on two or three on three games or anything like that. Um, that that's kind of where... I first learned anything schematically about football. You know, I only played for three years in middle school. Uh, and then, of course, I was in the in the broadcast booth for a couple of years in, in high school and certainly got uh, a look at, at certain concepts there. But in terms of playing, you know, I only played for, for three years in middle school and we didn't run anything uh, really exotic. or and, and, and I actually played more on defense than I did on offense. And I played the most on special teams in seventh grade. I was a kicker. I was quite good at that. I was our second leading scorer in seventh grade. True story. Uh, I can still hit a field goal. I don't think I can. I'm not keeping up with Camden Lewis or anything, but you give me cleats and put a ball down. Uh, I could, I can hit a field goal right now. Um, but I would definitely be an offensive coordinator and, and that would be, you know, fundamentally I I'd be running a spread. Uh, I would rarely, if ever go under center for sure. Uh, and it would look because it's just kind of what I've, what I've always known. Uh, it would look a lot like, a, a Chip Kelly offense, but like classic Oregon Chip Kelly, you know, he's got a little bit more of the power spread now. 
Um, I, I, I would be more of the, you know, quick hitting RPO spread run oriented, get to the edges sort sort of offense, uh, built around speed. That's where, that's where I would be. Uh, but that is not what I have been hired to do in my career. I've been hired to do this instead. And so far it's going all right. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always go ducks.